Blog Talk Radio. football and all things NFL fantasy football related I'm excited to have a chance to get back talking to you guys over a couple weeks off and of course always joined by the man the myth the legend you follow him on Twitter at RFL Red Zone he's Mike Belverde what's up Mike hey Cal uh not much you know just enjoying the the football season of course uh be much better if, uh, if I was in um Two and zero in, in our league instead of zero uh, and two. But other than that, things are going good. How about yourself? Pretty good, man. I am, um, man. I'm just excited to get in and talk about some football with you. There's been, uh, gosh, I would say a lot of, a lot of things that we thought we knew that doesn't seem like are true anymore, or maybe we need to be more patient. And certainly, a lot of things that we weren't expecting. For instance, the uh, just fantasy god Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick continuing to lead the league in passing maybe be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback depending on your league scoring and Philip Lindsay leading the league in rushing yards who who would have thought something like that so we got a lot to talk about today and a lot of really cool things and now Josh Gordon's a patriot what what's happening I've been off for two weeks here talking to you and you you just let everything crumble Mike what what is going on (laughs) I, I, I try to keep the store up on my shoulders, but you know what? It just it just all kinds of crazy went on. Yeah. So I want to I kind of want to start there. I feel like that's maybe the biggest pressing issue. We don't really have a lot. Um, we're going to get into a ton of details, ton of things today, but uh, don't have a lot of, I guess, direction on exactly what's going to happen with this Josh Gordon issue. We know that there were some issues there with Cleveland. Um, Sounds like the most recent action of trading him revolves around him injuring his hamstring at a publicity, um, uh, some kind of a, an, an event, some kind of event that he was doing. Uh, are we to believe that, or do you think there's more underneath that fantasy owners should be worried about going on with Josh Gordon right now? You know, what's interesting is, I, you know, of course, that that's the first thing I want to believe. But when you live the life of Josh Gordon, there's always that doubt that creeps in your head mind. And, you know, I I don't know. I If, if he went to a 
I, I hate to say that the Patriots aren't clean cut, but they're they're not a team that is bothered by any kind of uh, merit of uh, controversy. So if they see a talent and they're he's available, they're going to give him a workout no matter who they are. So I mean, we could directly point at Randy Moss, right? As it's one of the biggest signees that they had and one of the best signees that they had, you know, pretty much. So um, you can't really say, okay, well, maybe there's nothing because the Patriots are going to sign whoever they think is the best fit. Uh, I'm going to go with that until more news comes out, but it's very surprising that that Cleveland would just go, oh, yeah, you hurt yourself, so goodbye. We're we're not going to keep you along. It, you know, especially since we're keeping people like Antonio Callaway on board and, you know, just the consecutive years of just problems that they've had on that team with God knows who players just dropping in and out and causing all those kinds of problems. And that's what does it is is a tweaked hamstring at, a, at an event. I don't know. That's, I guess, the main reason why there's questions, right? Because. They've stuck with him now for, what, four or five years um, amidst the just, I don't know, just it seems like every time you turn around, there's more bad news about Josh Gordon. And then all of a sudden, yeah, he injures his hamstring. And then that's the bottom line. And I'm glad you brought up Antonio Callaway as well, because that's a really good point. Um, as much as he's been through, they basically promoted him into Josh Gordon's place over the hamstring issue. I don't know. It sounds a little fishy. Maybe I'm just being a little bit skeptical. Um, Because on the other side, I guess the Patriots would have done their due diligence. They wouldn't just give up a fifth-round pick for almost nothing uh, if they thought there was a lot to be had there. Um, I guess the real bottom line for fantasy owners, regardless of what is happening behind the scene, is, is this now the... I don't know, 75th time that the window has opened to trade Josh Gordon and that fantasy owners should do everything they can to get out while he may still have some value? Is this maybe the last stop that you maybe you'll never have an opportunity to trade him ever again at a good, decent value? Or is this a time that you look at the excitement, you look at the ceiling that could be there with Josh Gordon, and it's time to just hold on and – hope that this is now the opportunity to cash in on the patience that you've had with Josh Gordon all this time. Yeah, it, that's, that's really tough, too, because you bring up a very good point of patience. And with owners that have had Josh Gordon and gone through the ups and downs with him, it, you become attached to this player that you more than necessarily probably would have with anybody else because, A, he has produced on the field before, and, B, he he keeps coming back and you're like okay okay I got him this year and he's gonna be great and and you know all this good stuff and then he then he does something stupid and he's out and he he has a few games during the season and he does pretty well and you get all excited and the next season he's out so now he's with the Patriots and of course there's always excitement when you have such an explosive offense with New England and they they really obviously aren't looking to uh, get rid of them. It's not a short-term situation for them. So I, I say this. The Patriots offense is always going to be something that is spread around. It's going to be spread the wealth. And they have a lot of receivers there that are doing well. Having a Josh Gordon is, is a big name, 
on that team, and I'm sure they're going to try to give him the ball. But for long-term purposes, for dynasty purposes, I think this is probably your best bet to to get something in return for him because if he doesn't put up the numbers, and I, I think he will for the first you know several games of the season because they are he's a new toy and they're going to look to get get him the ball and make him happy and do all that kind of stuff. But once uh, Edelman comes back, then you have Phil Dorsett, who's playing well, shockingly well, and you have um, Hogan, and you have uh, Cordell Patterson, who's doing somewhat uh, of a job. It's it's just way too many weapons to keep one person happy, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. So let's just say – Let's say somebody comes along and offers you – I'm trying to think of the right um, point here. Juju Smith-Schuster or Josh Gordon? Who would you rather have? I, oh, I'd take Juju Smith in a second. Yeah, that one's pretty easy. Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen as well. Not even a question in my mind. This might be an interesting one for you, but uh, what about Amari Cooper or Josh Gordon? Oh, there you go. Now that, yeah. Um, wow. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I knew that would be a good uh, one for that, you. That's a, yeah, that's a stumper. Uh, I think I'd go with Amari <laughs> Cooper. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd go with Cooper. That's, I think that's I would, too. One. That one is tough. Um, tell me if you disagree with any of this, but, I, you know, I'd rather have Landry. I'd rather have Corey Davis. Um, okay, how about uh, – Doug Baldwin or Josh Gordon? I think I'd go Baldwin, even though he's sort of on the the other end of the spectrum that you really don't want right now. He's he's definitely tapering downward. So, yeah. But in that offense, too, the Seattle's offense is there, that's having troubles. It's going to be a couple of years before they really get that going. Um, but I, I think barely I'd take Baldwin. I would want Gordon over Sammy Watkins and over Alshon Jeffrey. Do you agree with those? Yeah, I, I take him over both of those. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That probably puts him somewhere in the, like, 22, 25 range, somewhere like that, I think. So, I think, yeah, if you get, if you get like, a, an offer of a top 20 wide receiver for Josh Gordon, then I think we're – I think here at the DinoCast, we're saying you should take it. Yeah. 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 I think that's a perfect fit for him. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, good. So I want to, I want to move on a little bit from him and talk about another wide receiver who I think has maybe had the biggest change in his dynasty stock. It was already pretty high, but um, I want to gauge your, how high you are now on this wide receiver and a guy that's gotten just, it seems like maybe uh, a million top, a million targets, somewhere around there, uh, maybe a million and a half. Michael Thomas seems like basically the only trustworthy wide receiver there on the Saints. He's had a monster couple of first weeks here. Who would you take right now ahead of Michael Thomas in Dynasty? Oh, wow. Well, I, th- I think you definitely – the first – Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins um, – and I, I think all three, I, I you know what, I, the only one that I probably would surely guarantee would be 
uh, Antonio Brown. After that, he's number two or three. He, he would simply, I mean, especially in PPR leagues. I mean, yeah. standards, you, you might have to go back a little bit, a couple of receivers, but in PPR leagues, oh my goodness, the dude is just catches everything and anything. Uh, I'm just so impressed with him. What are your thoughts? Where, where exactly would you would you put him? See, I think from a dynasty perspective, I might would rather have him over Antonio Brown. I mean, Brown is getting to where he's now. What is he? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. I think he might be on thirty. If not is older, right? I think I think he might be thirty. To be honest, let's see. Yeah, I'll yeah. look it up right. Now. Okay, and I I pulled up Michael Thomas, twenty five years old, so. Uh, Man, he's got he's got a high ceiling, I think. And I, honestly, I'm watching the games, and I think the Saints are missing Mark Ingram a little bit because they kind of lack a good third option in on their offense right now. Whereas last year, they were able to hand it off to Mark Ingram, throw it off to Alvin Kamara, throw it off to Michael Thomas, and then kind of the rest of their weapons played more of a ancillary role. And so they were able to, you know, just pick up first downs here and there or pick up 10-12, maybe a deep shot to Ted Ginn. Right now, it seems like the only thing working for the Saints, throw to Michael Thomas, the next play, throw it to Alvin Kamara. The next play, throw it to Michael Thomas. Because they turn yeah. around and hand the ball off to Mike Gillisley, and he's getting a yard or maybe two. Maybe he's fumbling, you know, which he did there in the first game, which was a big, you know, big deal. But, um, yeah, it just seems like now he is just continuing to see. He's got 30 targets through the first two games, which is pretty, I mean, pretty incredible. That's, that's, there's not a whole lot of, um, I guess, competition for targets, whereas, you know, you even look over in, in Pittsburgh, and there's a whole lot going on with Antonio Brown right now behind the scenes, which is really interesting. But Michael Thomas has caught 28 of his 30 targets, 28 of 30. Good if this was great. Alshon Jeffrey, he would have caught like 14 of those. 14, yeah. <laughs> so, 28 targets, 269 yards receiving, three touchdowns here in two games. I don't see any reason to think he's not going to continue to be a big part of that offense. There was always some regression coming in terms of uh, touchdowns anyway, right? We talked about that a lot during the offseason, that Drew, you know, Ingram and Kamara scored so many rushing touchdowns that it brought Drew Brees' numbers down. We knew he was going to have higher number of passing touchdowns. So, kind of expected, and with being the number one target there, I think you've got – I think he's clearly ahead of the Julio Jones and, you know, Devontae Adams and those guys right now. I think the question for me is, you know, is is he now ahead of, of Antonio Brown based on age in terms of dynasty because we're going to have him for longer? Um, and, you know, the toughest one to me, DeAndre Hopkins, I think is I think is ahead even though – you know, taking a little bit of time for Deshaun Watson and him to get on the same page right now, you know, the way they were before. And Odell Beckham had a good first week, but, man, that offense just looks terrible in New York. That's There's a couple of questions, I think, there. So I'd probably take him fourth, I guess, kind of similar to what you're saying. But if somebody told me they wanted to take him second, I'd probably believe that too. So, um, yeah, I think he's he's risen a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And he he was one of those players where 
he was definitely trending in whether he was going to pop or sort of just, um, you know, just, I I shouldn't say even pop, just explode. And he has. So everybody that, that took, you know, a chance on him being the fourth receiver or whatever off the board, um, are going to have a good one for a very long time. Yep. I agree with you. So another guy that made news to me, mostly because I follow you on Twitter and I saw that, uh, obviously you were watching your Indianapolis Colts and you were pretty impressed with one of one of the running backs there. Um, Jordan Wilkins, who the rookie had a chance to, to play, I think maybe in large part because Marlon Mack is just working his way back. But who would you right now rather have in in Dynasty? So not not necessarily focused on redraft, or although if you want to answer that as well, you can. But in Dynasty, who would you rather have out of Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins? I, I take Wilkins uh, in a second, just because I think Wilkins is is more of a ball carrier than Mack is. Mack is is going to be sort of the Giovanni Bernard type of role where he, he can do some good things, you know, on third down, catch the ball and, and do those. But he is he is not a bell cow type. And Jordan Wilkins has legitimate hands. I mean, he isn't going to be someone that, that can't catch the ball. He he can he has okay hands. So he that means that you can leave him on third down. Sort of what they're doing with Jordan Howard now. He's sort of the same type. Like you there, but you know that's why you have Martin Mack, and I I just think that there's more use out of Wilkins. I like the way he he looks for the holes, he picks the holes and run through, and he doesn't hesitate. There are times where he will you you could see the hole already there taking shape, and it's like okay time to go time to go, and he's just like okay uh, now, and he's gonna have to work better with that, but. That's something that that is, I think, it's going to take some reps and some time for him to do so. Once he gets to that speed, then I just see a lot, a lot of great uh, athletic ability out of him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, where does where does Naheem Hines fit into that? What what do you think his role? I guess for the rest of this year, but also just what do you see for him for the rest of the kind of from a dynasty perspective, how much are you valuing him? I, I'm in a, an interesting position in a league and I'll, I'll um, uh, maybe I'll present it this way on why I'm thinking about Naheem Hines, because I, I've got him on a taxi squad. Once I, once I promote him to the active roster, I've got to keep him there. I can't, I can't pull him back to the taxi squad. And, but I need a running back. I, I still got Mark Ingram on, he's suspended there. So I got a couple more weeks where I've got to fill in that spot. Um, but I, I guess I'm hesitant because I don't know if he's going to continue to to have the same role. He's been targeted a pretty decent amount, scored a touchdown this past week, um, even though the targets were a little bit down. So he's kind of producing. Do you expect him to continue to produce or and maybe have like a, a role kind of like a Sproles or Tariq Cohen, somebody like that going forward? Or do you think this is now that we Wilkins is – asserting himself you're going to have more of a Wilkins with Marlon Mack being that third down pass catching running back and Naheem Hines might might take a back seat and go to the bench 
it's it's going to really be problematic for Naheem Hines to get uh, be relevant. I, it's not so much based on his talent. It's just based on the fact that there's only so much volume a team can, can fill. And right now with uh, Jordan Wilkins being sort of the primary ball carrier and Marlon Mack being the veteran on the team, it, he's, it's just going to be certain packages that Naheem Hines is going to run. Now, if it should open up, which is, it's going to have to be an injury because the door is going to be even more solidly shut once Robert Turbin returns. So after a couple more games, it's just, it's just not a lot of room on there. I would keep him on the taxi squad uh, unless you, you have um, an open room bench or the fact that, um, you know, one of them gets hurt and he gets some playing time. Um, specifically Marlon Mack is going to have to go down um, other than that, yeah, I, I just I just keep them there. Got a few more news and notes items that I want to discuss, but uh, before we get into those, I just want to kind of open it up to you and what in these first couple of weeks has jumped out to you in terms of somebody maybe moving up your list, catching your eye, causing you to look a little bit closer at them, uh, and I guess maybe even on the negative side of that, has anybody, has there been anybody that's really lost some trust in you or you're really worried about now at this point? The, the, I, I definitely would, uh, Patrick Mahomes has definitely flown up the charts as far as what I'm concerned. We are both, you know, going, okay, how, how well is he going to be? Um, we both believed in him and now he's showing it. You know, it's still early. It's still only two weeks. Um, I, they were on PFF. They were talking about how uh, how image is is always something that that is more than sample size. So, for instance, what Patrick Mahomes is doing right now is phenomenal. But if Ryan if Ryan Fitzpatrick was a, was a rookie, we would be saying this Fitzpatrick is is God's gift to football right now. But we all right. know that Fitzpatrick is going is, is sooner or later going to going to flame out and hit the hit the dirt. So as as great as Mahomes is doing right now, and it is great, we can't just say okay, well he he's the NFL guy. He he there's not there's just not enough sample size. But he's really stuck out in my mind. As far as um, disappointment, I would say Deshaun Foster. I um, no. Deshaun Watson. Man, you would all you know, back to Deshaun Foster. Wow, that's Carolina. I remember him. Yeah. You know how <laughs> I do that all the time, too, Cal? I swear. I don't know I what's wrong with me. I, I, I even wrote it in a paper. I wrote Deshaun Foster. Um, nice. I, I think I might need to do start start doing 100 push-ups for every time I, I do uh, Deshaun Foster <laughs> instead of Watson. I don't know. Um, there you go. But, yeah, Deshaun Watson is, is someone that sort of um, – disappointing to me um i think he only had did he throw two touchdowns last week or only one i know he i think he was pretty much shut out in week one so but he's definitely not playing up to i mean obviously we didn't think he was going to play up to what he did last year but he's not even you know coming close he's sort of just a marginal marginal player right now so yeah i would say those two players are are what sticks out in my mind How, how about you yeah, I think a really good call there with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah, like you said, we were 
we were pretty big on him. I, I feel like we were, I don't know, just as, as high on him as anyone, but we were even probably still too low. <laughs> um, he's awesome. I, and that offense just seems you, – you look back last year at Alex Smith and you, you felt like, man, Alex Smith had a great year. And then, you know, you watch Patrick Mahomes this year and you think, man, what could have been on that offense with someone like him calling the shots and, I guess, you know, running that Andy Reid offense, just, man, he is just – it seems like the perfect fit. And then you've got Tyreek Hill who – I think he has been doubted regardless of how well he's played. He has just continued. People are just still not sure, even coming into this year after such a great year last year. Um, and some of those, it's, it's funny, man. I I think when you've got a quarterback uh, on your fantasy team who you want to do well, you need him to be able to, to do it in a lot of different ways. And we saw in the preseason that Tyree Kill can basically not outrun um, – uh, Patrick Mahomes' arm, which is a gigantic deal, and they're going to connect on a lot of those deep passes. Sammy Watkins is going to get his share of those two, in, in my opinion. But then you've also got an excellent red zone threat in Travis Kelsey, and then there are even times where he gives he what did he throw the ball a total of I don't know a few feet, a couple on his couple of his first touchdowns in the first week. So. Um, and he's doing all this on the road. He did it in San Diego. That's not a great – that's not an easy place to play. Or I guess it's Los Angeles, sorry. Uh, did it against the Chargers in the first week. And against Pittsburgh, and that's not a bad defense. So, you know, what's going to happen when he gets to play some of the easier matchups uh, and get a chance to play in front of his home crowd? Um, you know, not that I think he's going to have the same kind of week as he did this past week. That might be the best game of his career. But – I wouldn't be surprised if he just continues to play like and is a top five quarterback. The question is, and I'll turn this one back around on you and ask it to you, could he be the number one quarterback? Well, um, I, I would say no, just because of sample size, but I, you know, I wouldn't have a problem pulling that trigger. Uh, if, if I was like in a position where, I was uh, on a 50-50 coin flip. I, I would say, sure, why not? Uh, I because it's definitely there. I mean, it it you could see it, it just the way he plays the game and like you mentioned, he 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 goes on the road and doesn't have any issues and it's just a great way of playing the fo- game of football. It's it's the way he sets its feet. It's the way he delivers the ball. It's it's just more than just the numbers itself that that are displaying there. And I think that's one of the, that's another reason why Fitzpatrick isn't someone you could say, Oh yeah, because the, the DNA isn't there for, for Fitzpatrick, but it is there for Mahomes. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would not, I would not debate someone um, other outside other than sample size that Patrick Mahomes should not be a number one quarterback. We've talked a little bit about um, about Fitzpatrick now a couple times, so let's let's talk about him a little bit because, I mean, what he's doing so far this year obviously is pretty incredible. He went out and just had a great game against the Saints, and then, you know, of course, I left that game saying, man, the Saints defense really must not be very good anymore. 
uh, what a disappointment. And then he goes out and does the same thing uh, roughly to the Eagles. And Which, yeah. I have a little bit more confidence that the Eagles are a very good defense. So, um, man, four touchdowns in both games. Like, I mean, just obviously off to an incredible start. He threw for 417 yards in week one, 402 yards in week two. He's got eight touchdowns and one interception through two weeks. Uh, absurd. So I think the biggest question is, well, there's a couple questions, and I'll start with this one, though. Let me ask, does he hold on to this job longer than just the three or four weeks here while it takes to get Jameis Winston up to speed? And, and if he does, what are we supposed to do with Jameis Winston in Dynasty Leagues? You know, I, I do see it uh, happening where Fitzpatrick does hold on to this job longer, especially if they're winning. Uh, obviously, he's going to come back to earth, not just because he's Fitzpatrick, but because he's not Superman. And right now he's playing at Superman levels. And so if, even if he comes back and he say next week he throws two touchdowns and an interception, which is a two-to-one ratio, which is perfectly fine. They win the game. Now you're looking at week four. Um, and he does the same thing and say they lose. So they're three and one, right? Um, I, I still see him holding the job longer. Now, if they get to three and three and he, he's, you know, has 13 touchdowns and three interceptions, it, 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 it's over. They're going to pull him. They're going to put Winston in. So on long-term and even redraft purposes, I, I see him holding it up to six, seven weeks, but as soon as they start to falter a little bit and that motion is, is either stagnant or going backwards, Jameis Winston's coming in. Yeah. I mean, I agree, I guess, overall with that assessment. Um, and me and you both talked about the possibility of this when the Jameis Winston suspension was announced over the offseason that, Ryan Fitzpatrick also had a pretty good year last year as well. Um, in the limited time that he got a chance to play, he was almost 60% in his passing, which, you know, this year he's just at an insane, like 78% or something crazy. Um, but had seven touchdowns and three interceptions. So did a pretty good job of ball security. And, you know, I guess the bad thing is on his side, he's got like a decade of underperforming and not necessarily playing you know, obviously up to this level, but had a little, some highlights in his career. I mean, he, he hasn't been a complete disaster. Um, maybe some of the new rules are playing into some of his success. So maybe that's helping quarterbacks all throughout the league, including Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I look at their schedule. I look at playing Pittsburgh and then playing Chicago. That Chicago game at Chicago could be rough. Um, yeah. And that'll be inter- interesting then going into the bye if he's coming off of, you know, he gets hit by Mac a few times, uh, you know, and he's just disrupted and not able to be what we what we see. Do they make that change over the bye? And then even if they do, what's you – know, Jameis is going to have a lot of pressure on him to come in and perform at Atlanta, Cleveland, which who I think their defense looks a lot better than we expected it to be. He's at Cincinnati. That team looks good right, right now. At Carolina – they look good right now too. I mean, that's, it's kind of a tough schedule going forward. And I think whoever is playing quarterback at that time is going to be looking at over their shoulders. And I just don't know that that does a whole lot for, um, 
I don't think that's a whole lot for either one of them at that point. Once, once things are, are back, I guess the good thing is there's a lot of, they have obviously very good weapons. So whoever is quarterback, if they, if we do get a vote of confidence and they're, and we believe it, then there can be a lot of fantasy value there. But I guess what is what do you do if you've got if you're in a dynasty league and you've got Jameis Winston and you're staring down the barrel of the possibility of he might not play at all this year and let's say you didn't act quick enough, you didn't believe in Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's already gone, uh, what are you doing with Jameis Winston? What are you are you trying to hold on? Are you looking at the Ryan Fitzpatrick owner and trying to sell him sell Winston to him? Or, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of big believers in Winston. A lot of people thought that he could be a top-five quarterback once he comes back this year. I, I don't know that I ever believed that much in Jameis Winston, but wh- what do you do if you've got him on your team? Are you, just, are you holding? Are you selling? What, do you, what are we doing with him in Dynasty right now? Well, if I'm an owner of Winston, I'm definitely holding him. I'm, I wouldn't want to sell him unless, of course, you know, oh, is the price is right is, is always the key term there. But it, overall, I'm definitely looking to keep him. I think that even if he's not the future in Tampa Bay, which is definitely what the speculation is, I mean, obviously Fitzpatrick isn't the answer there either. But, uh, you know, they, they just – the ownership and the media have just come out and, and just – you know, they're, they're, they're like with Josh Gordon. They're just – getting there and getting done with, with his antics and, and not producing the winning numbers. He's obviously producing the statistical numbers, but he's not winning the games. So that's always a big problem. And with that, he could be gone, you know, at the end of this year or, or whatever. Right. Um, But I think the talent is still there where if he goes somewhere, he's not going to be a backup by any means. And, with that, you if you as long as you have a starter on one of the thirty-two teams, they're always worth a hold. Uh, I don't I don't see uh, the problem is that though there too is if he goes to just a a really bad team. Let's just say he goes to I don't know the Raiders or something to that effect. You you, you don't have much of worth there either. But um, it's it's definitely, I think, worth a hold. I, I wouldn't be looking to sell him. And I also wouldn't look to be buying him either. I just think that there's too many question marks on what's going on. But, um, yeah, I think a hold is probably the right answer. What, where, what direction would you go? Yeah, I think you may just have to hold him right now. Um, you know, there may be a – like you said, I think the there may be a point – I know – and I don't have Jameis Winston anywhere on any of my teams. Um, but if I had him on my roster, I think I would be getting a, I would be pretty nervous right now. So I'd probably be willing to trade him the most in a moment like this. So, you know, I guess from that sense, maybe there's, maybe there's a chance you can, you know, take somebody that you don't necessarily have a lot of belief in, um, you know, I, and I'm, I'm struggling to come up with what the offer might be uh, that would get me to to move on from him. It wouldn't be like a Joe Flacco or you know somebody like that. But um, you know, maybe maybe there's maybe there's a way that you could approach. And if you've got an extra roster spot, you've got your you know, let's say you've got Drew Brees or you've got um, 
you know, I don't know, Roethlisberger, somebody like that, and, you know, you feel like you're okay at the top of your quarterback roster, but you can buy low. This, this may be about as low as Jameis Winston is going to get for a while. So maybe, maybe there's a chance that you do that. I mean, obviously you're taking the risk, and it kind of depends on how adverse you are to risk. But um, holding is probably the best play with him just until we see all this, all this sorted out. So, um, so I want to pivot a little bit to a couple of running back situations that I think are most pertinent for Dynasty and talk about those. So I, I want to get into Seattle's. I want to get into Pittsburgh's. Uh, but I want to start with – couple of young running backs there in Denver that are kind of uh, both of them performing okay I think one of them out of nowhere obviously and Philip Lindsay uh, Royce Freeman he went in most drafts very high in the in the first round of rookie rookie drafts Philip Lindsay I got in the fifth round of our of our dynasty league our Yahoo dynasty league and Philip Lindsay so far has led the timeshare. Now they're clearly both in a timeshare there and maybe they just, the correct answer is they just are going to vulture, vulture each other and it's never going to ultimately be as good as we want it to be. But I think the thing that I'm most surprised about in the situation and I want to hear your thoughts on, on what you're thinking. Philip Lindsay, I expected because of his speed, because of some of the ways that he was utilized in college, that he would be, a little bit more of a receiving back. And so far in the year, he's only got three catches. Uh, his, in 2016, he had 53 there in college, um, only 23 last year. But surely, you know, he's, he's shown the ability to be a good receiving back. Um, this year, he's, he's only got three catches so far. 29 rushing attempts, 178. He's averaging six yards per carry. Royce Freeman who we all you know, have had much higher aspirations for. And he doesn't have any work in, out of the backfield catching passes. He's only gotten one target, doesn't have any catches. 23 rushing attempts, 99 yards. He does have the one touchdown run, running the ball where Lindsey doesn't have any. Averaging 4.3 yards carry. There's still talk. Vance Joseph is still saying that Royce Freeman is their number one running back on the top of their depth chart. But the numbers kind of show otherwise. And if you're, I mean, certainly Lindsay is owned and all that, all, all of your leagues. But is this an opportunity where if, you, if you're holding Lindsay, there's, there's maybe an opportunity to sell high? Is that kind of the shark play on this? Or maybe buy low on Royce Freeman? Or do you think there really could be a case to be made that Lindsay is the back to own in this backfield going forward? Yeah, that's that's a real tough one. Just because, as you mentioned, Royce Freeman was the guy they drafted to be what Philip Lindsay's doing. And Philip Lindsay, from the moment they started training camp, has just proven the fact that he's he's not going to go away. I don't think. I mean, I <laughs> he's he has six more carries than than Freeman does, and they, uh, almost a hundred more yards. And that's just six carries and a hundred yards. You're talking, um, now I don't see that as, is going to continue, but I really think Philip Lindsay is just one of those guys that they, they just took a, a, a chance on. And 
Um, not not to mention someone I don't even know what was was he even drafted. Um, no, Un- undrafted. In fact, he's the very first undrafted running back to ever go for a hundred a hundred um, yards from scrimmage in two in his first two games. First ever. Wow. So yeah, I mean those kind of things they're they're not a you know a, a telltale, but it, it's definitely a, a light. You know you 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 can't you're, you're not going to be untalented and and do those kind of things. So you know just just yeah, you, he could definitely be one of those guys that are just come out of nowhere. And, and it's not the first time the Broncos have had that situation either. So um, it's yeah, I mean it's it's hard it's hard to. I mean, yeah, it's not really an answer, but it's hard to say, okay, well, this guy is going to be awesome when we really don't know, but it's it's one of those players that if I had drafted him, I'd be loving life right now. Um, what, what What's your reaction to this? Since you do own him and you got him, like, I think in one of the, you, you, as you mentioned, the fourth round or the fifth round, I can't remember what you said, but um, definitely in one of <laughs> the latest rounds, um, yeah. what, 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 what are your feelings like? It's, I'd be I'd be ecstatic if I had him right now. Well, you know, you feel like you're playing with uh, house money when you when you get him that late, and you know, it kind of reminds me of. And I'm sitting here as you were talking. I was hoping I could find this, and I I can't remember the guy's name out of Ohio State. Um, maybe you can help me with that. But it kind of reminds me of the Saints had a year where. They drafted a running back out of Ohio State who was supposed to be kind of a big deal, um, but it was like the fourth round. It wasn't it wasn't quite as high of a pick as Broncos took uh, Royce Freeman. Uh, fourth round, and he was expected to make the team and all that, but then they had this undrafted free agent, Pierre Thomas, who just kept making waves in uh, the preseason. He just kept on – uh, highlight plays, highlight real type plays. You know the beat writers were all talking about how how great he looked, and and then ultimately he he made the team. And the other guy didn't even make, didn't make make the team. And I don't think we're in danger of Royce Freeman not making the team because I still think when I watch him run, he's not as fast as Lindsey, but he's still a good running back. He's clearly better than Devontae Booker right now, which I, I don't think Booker even I, I, he doesn't even ever need to see the field. Um, yeah. it needs to be all yeah, Freeman yeah. and, and Lindsay. Um, but yeah, like it kind of reminds me of that where I think there is quality to Lindsay and I would like to see them maybe even get a little bit more creative in the ways they use him. Um, his speed is, it clearly shows through when you watch him and he gets the ball and he attacks the hole the way, I mean, he's fearless. He's not as big as Freeman, but he just, he runs so fearless and it's fun to watch him run um if i've i so i also have freeman in a couple of other leagues as well and to be honest i'm not really freaking out about those picks i i I still feel like freeman he's produced fairly well in his first couple of weeks i i'm not completely disappointed obviously it's not what it could be i'm a little worried he only got eight carries against the the raiders but he has shown that he's going to be probably the goal line back. He got in there and that's, that's where he scored his touchdown. So, you know, I, I guess maybe the, the right answer is I'm just, I'm glad if I've got both these guys and maybe that's where the NFL is ultimately going is 
you're going to be able to get value out of more than one running back going forward, a la the Saints last year. You know, and that, and that, and I see that a lot. I see a lot of teams where they're having multiple running backs have good seasons, and which, which was interesting, which was never part of the. Excuse me. Um, which was never uh, part of of our football past ever. It's always been one guy. Um, and then of course, you know, we, RBBC has been around for, for a long time now, 15 years or so, but it was, it was, it was always someone to give a rest. Now what we're seeing are two running backs um, on a team performing good statistical numbers where you can have almost like wide receivers where you can have two on, on your same team and um, be, um, be legitimized. You know, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard are are uh, two off, off the top of my head that you could play and see see good statistical numbers. So why not uh, a Philip Lindsay and a Royce Freeman? Yeah, I think ultimately for me, um, I, I'm not bailing on Royce Freeman two games into his NFL career if I've got him in Dynasty, and I'm and I'm not really looking to sell high on, on Lindsay either. I, I think there's some legitimacy to what he's doing. Um, based on what I'm seeing right now, there's no reason he should have been undrafted. I mean, he clearly looks like a good uh, NFL caliber running back, clearly. So I'm not really getting rid of him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm holding both these guys, and if, if I happen to have both on the same team, I'm happy that I've got them, but – I mean, yeah, like you're saying, I think, yes, RBVC has been around for a long time, but I think we are getting to the place where you may have more than one guy on your team that you're comfortable – or on one team that you're comfortable starting. And, you know, there could be a lot to be said about that. There's um, there's one place, though, that is never going to, seems like, ever use more than just one running back at a time, no matter how much maybe they should, and that's the Steelers. It seems like if they have, if they have a running back on their team – they are just not interested in using anyone else to even give him a break. And so we see that now, now that they Le'Veon Bell is still not showing up to the Steelers facility. James Conner was, you know, you thought maybe James Conner and Jalen Samuels would both get a chance to get some work, but no, all James Conner. And honestly, James Conner has been kind of brilliant. He's been a really good running back. I think he has shown that he's capable of, being the heir apparent here and maybe his time starts now and but certainly we know that going forward he's going to be the guy there in Pittsburgh or at least that's what that's what I think we know tell me if you d- disagree but what are you in dynasty leagues if you've got James Conner are you just are you hope just I guess strapping in and going along for the ride or does the Le'Veon Bell situation make you more nervous than it makes me you know, I'm not nervous at all about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, even if he does come back, I think that unless they draft a, a running back in the high, you know, in the first three rounds, then James Conner is the guy. They drafted him to be the guy. They, so, uh, and Le'Veon is gone after this year. So, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't even be shocked to see Le'Veon sit out the whole entire season. Uh, he, he has that sort of that mindset where it's just like, okay, they disrespected me, so I'm just going to bail on the entire team and um, sit, sit out the whole entire season. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely 
now the the question that I have with really is with Connor is how good is he? He, he obviously had a great week one, but week two he kind of you know came crashing down a little bit and didn't have uh, as a solid week. Um, little you know I mean a lot of it was because Roethlisberger threw I don't know how many passes that game, but um, he didn't have as many opportunities. But I don't know if he has the talent to be uh, the leading running back. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think he definitely does. Um, I'm I'm all in on Team James Conner, and uh, let's see, Roethlisberger uh, threw 60 passes in Week Two, Jesus. and a lot of that is after the first quarter they were down 21 nothing. So I don't expect that to happen a lot with the Steelers, and but even with that, James Conner still produced. He, he got you a touchdown. He got you five catches for 48 yards. Uh, maybe not exactly what you were hoping for going into that. But based on game script, if this is going to be what it looks like when a game script doesn't go his way and he still gets you, let's see, 9, 10, um, 16 fantasy points in PPR, maybe, uh, you know, so that's still a really good game. And I would be, I mean, to me, I think, you know, you've got a guy right now that Pittsburgh is going to trust with, with the full load. He was on the field for 73 offensive snaps last week. 77 the first week he's held up just fine uh you know he had he had cancer which is one of the reasons why he fell in the nfl draft but he would have been taken a lot higher according to a lot of people that i that i follow so it's a lot of talent a lot of ability clearly that you saw in week one at the game script and that's that was a close game that they had there with cleveland against a fairly good defense and they just continue to trust to turn around hand him the ball let him let him make things happen just in the same way that Le'Veon Bell would. And I don't think he's got – he's not quite as much fun to watch as Le'Veon Bell. Of course, I think Le'Veon Bell may be the most fun running back in the league to watch. Um, so he's not quite Le'Veon Bell, but, you know, I think clearly competent enough to do it. He's not um, – you know, he's not a – he's not Marlon Mack. He's not Mike Gillisley for sure. You know, those guys who – yeah, they may have some opportunity, but, you know, they're marginal talent. No, he's got really good talent. He's got the ability to produce. That Pittsburgh offense is going to produce good fantasy numbers for the running back that's in that spot. Uh, we can count on the opportunity. And I'm looking at their schedule. I mean, there are, there, are, there are some tough games there being in the AFC North, but they've also got quite a few that I would look at. And as long as he's the guy – I mean, he's going to have he's going to win some weeks for you. So, yeah, I'm I'm hanging on. I am excited if I've got him in dynasty. I guess the question then is, how far down? Because I I would have taken Le'Veon Bell the top three running backs in dynasty going into the year before this came up. Um, man, it's it's hard. I've got Le'Veon Bell in that Yahoo league that we're in together. It's hard for me to answer and know what it would take, I, I would move him for way less than I would have two weeks ago. Um, where, how far has he fallen in your dynasty rankings? And, you know, what would you advise someone who's got him and he's basically unusable to him at this point? I, I don't really have a, a negative view on, on Le'Veon just because of the fact that uh, I know wherever he's going to go, it's probably going to be the best fit for him. And, his numbers. Uh, he's just that kind of player where 
Um, you know, it's it's sort of like Des Bryant, where I'll pick and choose where I need to go that's best for me. And with that said, I think that he's always going to be a, pro- a producer. And I think right now what they were saying, the Vegas was saying, was that the Colts had the um, best odds of landing landing him, So, which would be a wow. great place for him to go. You know, I, I I'll take it. So, um, yeah, I think I think you're just gonna have to uh, just suck it up this year. But I don't think the following years you're gonna see any kind of downfall. So, you you'd have to get a very much king's ransom to get rid of him at this point. Wow, that would be really interesting to see him there in Indianapolis. Man, if they would go out and oh gosh, I'd love to see them trade for him now. Gosh. Let's get that going. Um, where yeah, can we sign I'll up for it. that? That's yeah, um, yeah. So, well, that would be really interesting. I didn't even think about them when I was thinking about uh, all the different places. And that would be a really good thing for his value there too. Obviously, playing with Andrew Luck and, and and yeah, you know they would get their get their money their money's worth out of him. So, yeah, I like it. That's a really good, really good thought. So. Um, the next one I want to talk about obviously isn't near as exciting, but I think for uh, dynasty purposes, there's just it's worth discussing and talking about, and uh, that's Seattle. I, Seattle's running back position right now comes with a, a whole lot of issues, including the the fact that they are that offensive line is not what we thought it would be. Um, two questions: one. Do you expect for that offensive line to begin to gel together? They're they're new. Do you expect for them to gel together and ultimately be able to produce something for fantasy owners in the backfield? Or do you think that whether you have Chris Carson or whether you have Rashad Penny, you're not you're not going to be starting either one of them this year with any kind of confidence uh, the rest of the season? It's hard to say for the rest of the season, but wow, what what happened Monday night? I still I, I don't under even understand how all of a sudden uh, Chris Carson doesn't get a carry for the rest of the the second half, and uh, Pete Carroll's explanation made zero sense too. I think he they he said that he wanted to see what Rashad Penny would do um, in this situation or something, and it's just like. Well, you don't know that by now. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like that's the best you got, and uh, with, with that, you you can't trust that. And until they can establish what they're doing with that backfield, then you're definitely leery. I mean, to not give uh, Carson a, a carry in in the whole second half, you is is mind-boggling to me, um, and. Yeah, I would stay away from that until they show some, some definitely. Okay, this is what we're going to do. It, even if it's one, you know, one half, one guy, one half, the other guy. I mean, uh, you, obviously you're not going to play either one of them, but at least you know what they're doing. At least there's some consistency with that. So until they show their hand, then I don't think you can trust it. Yeah, Chris Carson got. Six carries on Monday night. Rashad Penny got ten. 
neither one of them were effective. Rashad Penny got 10, car- 10 carries for 30 rushing yards. No, He got two targets, no catches. Chris Carson got one target, no catches, only had 24 yards. Um, I, Chris Carson, to me, when I watched him play, he looks like the better running back. Um, and you have to wonder if, if as time goes on, they'll begin to, you know, I guess see that and they begin to play him more be- and just let Rashad Penny get him learn a little bit more. Uh, it seems like he's thinking maybe a little bit too much when he's running, maybe get him past a little bit, some of that. Um, but I think the biggest question does involve the offensive line. I remember last season, the offensive line never looks good. The running back situation never really got um, fixed or handled, but Russell Wilson did have a rough couple of first weeks last season as well. Things looked bad. I remember the pictures going around of basically his offensive line just olaying and letting the defensive line go go past him and Russell Wilson running for his life. Um, but then they put it together, and Russell Wilson wound up being, what, the number one quarterback in the league last year in fantasy football? So I, I guess I want to leave room to say that the offensive line is new. They're, they're learning to gel together. Um, if you were going to buy one of these guys, would it be Chris Carson? Yeah. I, it, you don't really want to turn your back on a rookie, but as you mentioned, Chris Carson just looks like the better player. And unless they are going to go to a strict uh, RBBC, which, you know, it looks like they're doing, but still it's, I, I, I really think that Carson is the better of the two. And if I had to pick between one or the other, it would definitely be Chris Carson. I agree. I'm with you on that. So um, I want to change over a little bit. And now we are almost an hour into, into the show, but I'd like to get to some waiver wire talk because, you know, whether it's dynasty league or whether it's, uh, redraft leagues, we all have waivers, and most of them will run tonight. So when you're thinking about set, setting your claims or setting your fab tonight, what kind of – who are you mostly going to be checking your leagues for? Who are you excited about possibly picking up? Uh, what, wh- who are the first couple of guys you're going to type into the search bar to figure out are they available in this league or not? You know, one player that, that I really like is uh, Tyler Boyd. I think he's sort of standing out with that Cincinnati offense that looks almost uncontrollable. They, they're just really running on high cylinders. Is, I mean, they tore up that Ravens defense, man. They, look, they, they made that defense, which is a, one of the top five defenses in the NFL, just look really bad. Um, and a lot of that was because of Tyler Boyd. I like the fact that a, he's he's young. I think he's only in his third season. Um, also, the fact that AJ Green is going to take a lot of pressure off off of him and let him do his thing. So, I you know what I I really like Tyler Boyd. I, it, it's hard to say Boyd over John Ross because of course John Ross is supposed to be the guy, but Ross is not even getting the targets, and when he is, he's dropping the ball. So, um, yeah, I, I I like Boyd right. an awful lot. Yeah, I, I can agree with that with Tyler Boyd. He certainly seems like the kind of guy who uh, will have a little bit more of a high floor than to John Ross's maybe high ceiling. But 
he's getting the targets. I mean, he got five targets that first week against Indy, um, and then nine targets this past week. So, I mean, that's certainly something you can look at. And and, and if he's going to be able to get that many targets and he's going to consistently get between, you know, six and ten targets a week, then I think you certainly have something there. Um, one of the things causing that is Tyler Eifert is just no longer no longer looks like a viable threat. That's such a shame, right? That's such a shame that Tyler Eifert tonight was so much talent. His body has just portrayed him, and he just I don't think he'll ever be what we were hoping that he would be coming out of uh, what Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not 100 yeah. sure, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Notre Dame. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd certainly a name to watch, somebody to be searching your waiver wire for. Um, you know, a guy that he may be more available in some leagues than others, but Matt Breida. Matt Breida looked really good this past week there for San Francisco going against the Lions and put up really good numbers. Uh, there's a chance that he may be available on some waiver wires in your leagues. I, <laughs> clearly he is outplaying for Morris. Uh, Alfred Morris, you know, you thought familiar with the system. He may have an opportunity to just do really well in Shanahan's offense there since, you know, we, we've talked about him a little bit. I'm not completely giving up on him from a standpoint of I think there's a chance that that Alfred Morris does have some pretty big weeks. If San Francisco can get into a game and control it for all four quarters, he may end up with a better, um, better line than Brita, but Rita is always going to have the opportunity to break a big play like he did this past week. And he's somebody I'm definitely checking to see if he is available. Um, let me toss out one more and you tell me what you think about these guys. Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon has had a, uh, just a, a great season. I mean, I, doing way better than I, than I thought Melvin Gordon would do. Uh, clearly looking great. Um, but Austin Eckler is still having a really good year. He's still, he's still producing. He's still out there. Making catches, he looks a lot like, you know, Philip Rivers said that he feel like, feels like he could be almost like his Danny Woodhead from a few years ago. Um, and it, it, the, the, the best part of that is it's not taken away from Melvin Gordon. So he's got 16 carries, 116 yards. He's got a touchdown. You know, he's, he's catching balls out of the backfield. He had five catches the first week for 87 yards and a touchdown, which is obviously great. Not as good as past week, but still three catches for 21 yards. Um, but then last week he was more involved in the rushing game. And Melvin Gordon had an injury, so I, I think that's a guy that I want to also look for and potentially get on my team. Anybody else that's jumping out at you right now? You know, I I, I, I like what you're saying about Austin Eckler. That guy, you know, for someone who, who's sort of limited in capacity, really is, is shined through, especially with what Melvin Gordon is doing doing on that field and that to have both of them. And, and as we were talking about earlier, you know, one, one and two guys there, there's another one and two guy for you that is really doing well is Eckler and, and Gordon. And it, it's, it's really interesting to see if you just going down the, down each roster, those, those type of guys, uh, if Ronald Jones is, is someone that is supposed to be, I mean, we never know about what what's going to happen with Ronald Jones, but that that was made to be a one and two guy, you know, and those kind of things. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm really fascinated by that. But um, yeah, I think you're right about Eckler. Uh, also, 
Keelan Cole has looked really good. Uh, mm. He's he's done some really good things. Uh, made that fantastic catch uh, with one handed, um, and just proven that he he's not just a, a you know one one year wonder. Uh, that offense, of course, they're not much of a passing offense, and I don't know if they ever will be. But I, I really like him. Uh, also, Chris Godwin from Tampa Bay is is someone that I think uh, a lot of people. And then one person we talked about, you know, here and there is Geronimo Allison, and I like him uh, an awful lot. So those are sort of the guys that I'm looking at. Uh, Ito Smith from Atlanta. We'll, we'll see what, what's going on with him as far as Devontae Freeman. But right now he, he might have an opportunity to prove himself and maybe take over a role and see what they do with Devontae Freeman. But um, I, I would definitely have Ito Smith on my radar. Yeah, I like I like that too, and I think you know Smith is the kind of guy who's got the talent to, you know, maybe assert himself a little bit, and if he gets a chance to get on the field and show what he can do, there's a good chance that Edo Smith earns a role that obviously I don't think he replaces Devontae Freeman once once Freeman comes back, but there's a good chance that he ends up with a really good role for next season, depending on what he can show. So. Certainly a guy we're looking at in Dynasty League. Um, I want to ask you what you think about – there's one more, I guess, running back situation that I'll, that we, we should discuss and does have a little bit to do with waiver wire. He's not available, I guess, in a lot of Dynasty Leagues, but maybe he is. But Aaron Jones, he's coming back from suspension this week. Jamal Williams has looked great in pass coverage, but has not looked near as good, obviously, in – in the running game, and Aaron Jones showed that explosiveness. He was really good this past season. Um, what do you expect to shake out over the course of the next few weeks in Green Bay? Yeah, that's really interesting about that whole situation. I, we'll see what what ends up happening, but it's. I think they're going to probably do one one and two, uh, just because they're so so different and the fact that Jamal Williams is is definitely a better blocker than Aaron Jones really helps he's also a better pass catcher so there is some deficiency there with Aaron Jones that Jamal Williams doesn't have and I think they complement each other very well with that so I don't I don't see them getting away um, with with one dominating over the other I really think it's it's one of those situations where again you could play both yeah, I'm with you. I, I, um, I'm pretty excited about Aaron Jones coming back. I, I have no idea what to expect. I certainly don't think that um, much changes this week. But I can envision over the course of the next few weeks, if if they're not able to establish a running game with Jamal Williams, I can see Aaron Jones starting to work his way into a much bigger percentage of the timeshare. I still don't think he he's out there – hundred percent. I don't think he becomes even the, you know, like a 60, 40 guy, but could he be in there half the time and get kind of like, you know, 13, 14 carries a game, the way that Philip Lindsay does um, and do something pretty good with those. Yeah. I think he could. I think, I think Jamal Williams does offer the best protection for Aaron Rodgers, And that is certainly going to go into the thinking, but they also need to be able to establish a run game to try to take some of that pressure off for Aaron Rodgers as well. So 
it'll be interesting to see how Mike McCarthy plays that here uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, really interesting situation also that, you know, when it comes to the waiver wire that I wanted to ask you about with Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette has always hurt. We, we talked a lot about that this season going into the year. Um, with him being hurt as much as he is, and there's no, there's no real, I guess, uh, definitive answer on whether he's going to play this week or not. But Corey Grant, I thought, looked really good this past week. Uh, coming out of the backfield, I would expect that they continue to try and work him in, and he kind of becomes that pass catcher out of the backfield for them, uh, similar to maybe a Chris Thompson or somebody like that. Maybe not as high a ceiling as Chris Thompson, but what do you think? Did you get a chance to watch Corey Grant? What do you think about trying to add him? And he's a guy that may be available in waiver wire leagues, uh, in dynasty leagues as well. Yeah, and he should be uh, available. Um you know, it definitely depending on how deep your league runs, but uh, if he is, I would definitely be on him. Just as, as you mentioned, Leonard Fournette's a the guy there. There's no doubt about it, but you can't trust him to stay healthy. And with that, you have to look at their backup and how good is their backup. Well, Corey Grant has shown that right now at this time that he can be productive, and that offense is geared to be running the ball. So with that said, you're going to have – blocking schemes and offensive line that is drafted and acquired to be run blockers. And so he, he definitely fits that mold and I would be, yeah, that, that, that's a good, good choice there. Corey Grant would be definitely one of those players uh, on top of my list. I also am going to be checking to see if Octavius Murray is available at any of my leagues, just because it looks like, uh, looks like Dalvin Cook is fine, but just in case things pop up later in the week through practice, maybe re-injures that hamstring, whatever, um, you know, there may be a possibility that Latavius Murray is going to see a little bit bigger workload, and uh, they do have, I guess, the easiest matchup in the league this week in the Buffalo Bills. So Latavius Murray might be one of those guys that could go straight from the waiver wire into your starting lineup. Uh, so I'll be checking on him as well. Yeah, and he's someone that you know is going to do at least reasonable well. He, he's not someone that you you start every week, but he, he has shown the the propensity to be a a player that you can sort of trust on. He's, he's not a someone. He's not an Edo Smith where you're like, okay, I don't know really much about this guy. Can he really do anything? Um, we know what Latavius Murray can do, and being in that high, high propane offense that the Vikings have you know, that that's always a, a bonus bonus point for any player that you, you want to pick up. Yep, in full agreement there. Another player we mentioned earlier, Antonio Callaway. I'm going to be checking to make sure he's owned in all of my leagues as well. He's going to get more opportunity with Josh Gordon gone now, and he looked great, honestly. Um, I got a chance to watch that whole game, uh, certainly including the touchdown, but even without the touchdown, I thought he I, he looked pretty good. I thought he looked like a a NFL caliber receiver with a whole lot of upside. And as long as he don't only cost me a waiver wire priority priority, I'm fine with picking him up. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just worried about his, his past. And, and that's a, that's someone that, you know, especially dynasty league, are, are you willing to hold on to for four years? Uh, 
but outside that, his his ability is definitely someone that you, you're going to want to have on your team. And probably one of the reasons why they felt okay by dismissing Josh Gordon is because they see Antonio Callaway doing, and they don't feel like they're going to be missing much if you know by letting Josh Gordon go his own way. Uh, Disley Disley, what are we doing with uh, the tight end situation there in Seattle? Are we are you picking up Disley? Do you believe in him in any way, shape, or form? A couple of pretty solid leaks to start off his career, but uh, my understanding is he was supposed to be the best blocking tight end in the class yes. this season. Right. Yeah, exactly, which is really kind of interesting. Um, and a great point that you brought up there is is the fact that he was <laughs> he's a blocking tight end. Now he's caught two touchdowns, two games in a row, and is is – uh, an offensive weapon. So I, I, I say that anyone in Seattle, uh, if you're in need, I actually thought about picking them up myself. Uh, yeah. So tight ends are, are a good premium spot for Seattle and the way that offense and defense has been playing, they're probably going to be passing the ball uh, quite a bit. And why not pick up someone who is, even though it's supposed to be a blocking tight end, maybe they just said, Hey, you know what? He can also catch the ball. Let's, Let's do both. And I haven't seen his game tape yet, but he's obviously involved in the passing game. Uh, So I want to move on to a portion of our show that I want to call what the heck is Arizona doing part one. Um, (laughs) Why aren't they throwing the ball to David Johnson? Why, why are they, I mean, as much as I like, um, and now gosh, I'm not even going to remember his name. The, uh, the, the backup running back in the, and Arizona. As much as I like, as much as I like him, still David Johnson is the best receiving back probably in the NFL. Maybe I mean he's got wide receiver skills out of the running back position. Why aren't they doing something to get him more involved? He's probably their only legitimate weapon outside of Larry Fitzgerald. Certainly their best weapon. Why? What the heck are they doing? Why are they not getting him more involved? You know, God, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, you're thinking of Chase Edmonds and yeah. Um, it's, yeah, you know, I, I have in my home league, I have both David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald and it's crushing my soul. It's just really crushing my soul to see this offense do absolutely zero. Uh, obviously Sam Bradford isn't the answer, which, you know, I, as as far as fantasy wise, you you know, that he's not going to be much, but. As NFL wise, you figure he'd be doing a lot more than what he has done, and which is almost zero. He has uh, he's 37 for 61 with 243 yards passing and no touchdowns with two picks. I mean, we're talking just garbage level uh, proficiency here. And whew, Josh Rosen. Um, calling Josh Rosen because it's I don't know how long you can go go with with that kind of uh and be okay with it so um yeah I don't know what what they're what they're doing what they're thinking you you would like to see that Chase Edmonds have two two uh receptions and David Johnson have you know 13 or 14 but I don't know what what the situation is there at all 
Yeah, and in fact, so uh, that goes into uh, what the heck is Arizona doing part two? Uh, why is Sam Bradford still starting? He has three fantasy points in two weeks, Mike. Three in two weeks. Wow. <laughs> How is that possible for a quarterback? Um, it's time for Josh Rosen, right? Like, it's time. Like, it, he should have started the year. Sam Bradford should not have a job. Um Josh Rosen needs to be the quarterback. Just get him in there. Why? Why would you not go ahead? Why has the announcement not already been made that he's a starting quarterback? What is Arizona thinking? Yeah, the only the only thing that I can be thinking right now is that Josh Rosen is so bad that Sam Bradford is their only answer. Because that's the only thing that makes sense to me, why you wouldn't put Josh Rosen out there. And if that's the case, then they're really in trouble because – Wow, it's it can't it can't get any more worse than than what it already is at the, at this point. Yeah, that team's got a lot of a lot of problems, and uh, David Johnson uh, they're they're committing to they want to get him more involved going forward. Is there is there anything actionable for fantasy owners here? Do we need to do we need to try and buy David Johnson? Um, for instance. Let's say the Le'Veon Bell owner wanted David Johnson. Could you get David Johnson for Le'Veon Bell right now? And should you? Probably. Yeah, I, I doubt it. I think uh, maybe in the beginning of the season, you probably might have an opportunity. And that probably would have made a lot more sense. But at this point, I think everybody's going to be shying away from David Johnson until he explodes, um, which might not even be this season. We we might be looking at Tar- Todd Gurley from a couple of years ago where uh, just nothing except for those one or two games during the season where he, he busts off a 60-yard run or something and he gets you the, you know, eight points that you normally get you by the first first quarter of his regular season play. Um, and – that's what it's looking like to me is, is Todd Gurley from a couple of years ago. So it's going to be really hard to, to make a move with Le'Veon Bell. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see much hope upside for David Johnson right now. You're not starting LaShawn McCoy this week. He's going against the Minnesota Vikings. So you, there's no, no way that he's in your starting lineup. You probably wish – that you didn't start him in weeks one or two. You wish you probably didn't draft him. Uh, but right. if you did draft LaShawn McCoy, um, is there is there anything to hope for here for him? Do you, is there any chance that things get better after they face the Vikings? Um, or do you think this is just ultimately going to be a lost season on a team where literally players are – it's so bad that players are retiring at halftime. That's how bad things are in Buffalo right now. Um, is LaShawn McCoy next to retire, or do you think that you actually get a chance to get some value out of him for the rest of the season? The trending, players retiring at halftime. Yeah, I, I still, oh, my God. And then his reasoning made zero sense, too. Um, yeah. But um, whatever. Um, so, uh, that. That still blows boggles my mind how a player can't go out there for 15 more minutes and and just I mean Randy Moss it when you're not getting the ball you know do something but just to quit on your team <laughs> at halftime is oh, um, wow 
But uh, yeah, yeah Lashawn McCoy. Um, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, and he's at the end of his stage of his career. So whether it's old age or just a horrible offensive line and a horrible offense, and when you're you're looking at you know Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin being your 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 guys, the he just it, it's just really really bad. It might even be worse than the Arizona offense, and you, you, you don't want to get anywhere near that. I agree. Um, what about what about over in Tampa Bay? I want to bounce this idea off of you because Peyton Barber clearly in spring training there. Or listen to me, spring training. Still thinking about baseball. Um, <laughs> in when they were leading up to the season, they were uh, clearly. Tate Barber established himself as the running back. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but Ronald Jones had something like four yards or something just ridiculous. Very, very pathetic. But oh, it was reversed. Barber, yeah, maybe it was even more reversed, right? <laughs> 24 carries, 22 yards. Um, Peyton Barber has now, in the beginning of the season, um, I guess mostly you could say he's taken a backseat to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not been very effective on the ground. Um, they really haven't. They, the game script hasn't quite been there for him to just run the ball a lot. And when he's gotten a chance to, he really hasn't been very effective at it. Do you think a door opens this season for Ronald Jones to get in and work? And if so, do you think there's a chance that this might be a perfect opportunity to buy low on him in Dynasty League? I think this is a great opportunity to buy low. Now, whether he sees the field or not is is a whole separate issue. Um, I don't know. I know in week one he was a healthy scratch, which you never want to see from a player, especially a rookie. Uh, I don't know about week two. Do you know if he was a healthy scratch or? He was. Yeah, healthy he, scratch. Oh, wow. So, um, wow. That's just a little. He's definitely buy low, whether he – gets it together or not, it's going to be a whole, whole separate uh, situation. But it, any rookie that, that had some good promise in college uh, and played well in college, I'll take a chance on, I'll bring him on. I'll, I'll figure out a way to bring him on my roster, especially if they're going for the cheap and why not? You know, what, what, what do you have to really risk right now? He's probably uh, maybe worth what a late second, early third, third round draft choice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do it. What, what about you? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm, I think tonight when I'm setting my waiver wire, I might go around and see if I can make some offers for Ronald Jones, um, especially in leagues where I, I wouldn't be counting on him. Um, so obviously you can't count on a guy who hasn't dressed for a game yet. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there might be a couple of leagues where, where I, I, I would, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily planning on competing this year. Maybe I'm just, you know, low-level playoff-type team. Um, those, those, to me, are the kind of leagues where I would like to see what I could get, um, see, you know, if I could get Ronald Jones, somebody like that. And, um, yeah, I think he maybe represents um, a, a, as good a buy-low buy opportunity as anybody in the league, I He's also got the biggest questions. What makes him that is he's got the biggest questions on, I don't know how much he is capable of producing. Clearly the Bucks don't seem to think he is. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, plenty to be worried about there, but 
I also still think at the same time that he's got he's got as good an opportunity to produce as anybody else um, once he gets a chance to to start. And not everybody progresses the same way. Sometimes sometimes guys take a little bit longer. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm interested in seeing uh, if he does to be active on game day that would clearly be a um a step in the right direction and then you know hopefully hopefully very soon we'll get a chance to see what he has to do so um you know another guy that i'm i'm sitting here thinking about that i want to make sure that we mention um in terms of waiver wire is Corey clement with jay possibly sitting out this week and we know strolls is already out Corey clement could get a chance to start and He's another guy that could be straight off the waiver wire and into your lineup. What do you think about him? Yeah, he, you know, he had a rough week one. He didn't really look all that great in week one. But uh, anytime you have an open avenue for your team and Jai is, is, I'd, I'd almost say he he is not going to play week three. So uh, with Sproles also out and not just big enough to carry the load, I would I would really be all over. Corey Clement, and that's a, I think that's a fine pickup for, for them, especially since they're playing the Colts. I mean, the Colts' defense is, has looked a lot better than recent years, but they're still not, you know, someone that's going to be feared. So I think that, that makes a great opportunity for someone like Corey Clement to take advantage of, of a situation that has presented itself. Um, before we go, I have, I have one, one question, one serious question for you, Cal. It's very serious. Okay. okay. Um, uh, what's going on with those LSU Tigers? Yeah, the Tigers, baby. Um, you know, I think probably when you listen to Ed Orgeron, I think probably, even though you're not quite sure exactly what it is that he's saying, you're, you, you know that it's good, so you get excited about it. And, uh, you know, when he's out there, rah, 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 go Tigers, <laughs> you just can't help but be excited about going out there and running through a wall for him. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, that Cajun talk from Ed Orgeron playing a really big, role in that team no I don't know I was I was shocked I I couldn't believe that they that they won against Auburn I mean they've always played Auburn really tough even when Auburn has had good teams and LSU hasn't so uh yeah I was surprised they beat Miami I was surprised that that they beat Auburn um the schedule gets a little bit easier although every year we still have to play Alabama and that's that's going to be tough, but the good news is it, at least it's in Tiger Stadium, and we don't have to do that one on the road. So plenty of opportunity for them to still have a, an overall bad year, and I guess I'm a skeptical Tigers fan. But, um, yeah, I could not be more thrilled with how things have gone so far. You know what? I don't even know who your favorite college football team is. Who is it? It's uh, Michigan. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. Where where does that come from? Um, that comes from a player that I really like like watching, um, and that was uh, Anthony Carter. Okay. Interesting. From uh, all right, wide receiver. He played many years with uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, right before Chris Carter got there, and uh, yeah, I just love watching him play, and we just 
that's the school he went to. So I just followed his career and grew up. And then the fight song is just so awesome too. So that that's always a kicker, especially when you're young. Yeah. I love how random that is. Um, that's exactly so. My brother, who you know, Derek, uh, for years was a gigantic Florida fan. He still buys all Florida stuff. But the reason why he loved them was Danny Werfel. He he really loved mm. Danny Werfel for a while, and then of course when Tebow came in, that kind of cemented his love, uh, his enduring love for Florida. So, uh, but yeah, kind of I love that random player that just kind of. You like to watch them play. You think, you know, you like the, you like what they can do. And, um, you know, like I, I remember for the Braves you know, going to baseball, I, I really, I loved Mark Limke, the little just oh, yeah. second baseman. Yep. Yeah. He wasn't anything totally. special. He's not a Hall of Famer. So, but uh, he was, I just liked Mark Limke. And it's funny how there are just all those random guys that kind of jump out to you and for whatever reason, leave a mark. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like that. It's, and then you, you know, you, you won't think of him or hear from him uh, for whatever reasons. Because why would someone bring up Mark Limke, and then all of a sudden <laughs> someone brings up Mark Limke, and you're like, oh my god, you know, and it just brings up all those yeah. great emotions. So yeah, it's, I, I totally get you on that one. Yeah, there's, and so uh, what about the Colts, man? You think the Colts have a chance this week against the Eagles? You know they 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 should have beat the Bengals. Let me let me say that they they yeah that and the way the Bengals played against the Ravens, it, it, you're like okay, well you know it's maybe the Colts aren't that bad. And then they beat the Redskins last week, and they they pretty much held strong and dominated the Redskins. So, um, but the Eagles are you know a whole different level. So. I'll, I'll, yeah. have, I'll have my fingers crossed, but um, we'll see. I, I, I don't have uh, – if I had to pick a winner, it would be the Eagles. But I'll, this is going to be a good test, and I like tests yeah. to see how good a team is. I agree. Carson Wentz's return, it would be interesting to see how, how he looks. Um, we didn't really even get a chance to talk about that. But uh, the Saints have a big week this week, too. Divisional rival, Atlanta. They're at Atlanta. Um, that's always a tough – Tough game, so I'll be I'll be excited to see how that game turns out. Saints kind of have themselves in a situation where that's a pretty big divisional game early in the season. You drop that one and you go to one and two. Um, things look pretty bad at that point. So, gosh, ho- certainly hoping they can get a win in Atlanta. And then I just hope they don't struggle against the Giants and the Redskins after that either. So, <laughs> We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully they're going to their bye with only that one loss against Tampa. Um, I feel a lot better about that, but, you know, we'll see. And, you know, so. at least they got that one. They got that win. It's it's a whole different story when you're 0-2 and, and you're just like, what? And, you know, right. it was a big shocker to see them lose to Tampa. But right now the way Buccaneers are playing, I don't know if they'd lose to anybody. So, yeah, I think that's kind of one of those things where maybe that loss doesn't look as bad. I mean, I, I remember feeling just terrible about the Saints after that, and then through a through uh, two two or three quarters against the Browns, I thought pretty bad things too. And then they, I, I don't know, maybe saved their season with a um, really good fourth quarter and had a chance. You know, obviously with a little bit of luck with the kicker for the Browns missing those kicks. 
So hopefully they take advantage of that because once they get past their bye, man, they've got Baltimore, Minnesota. They've got the Rams, three straight games, three really tough games at that point. So, um, yeah, hopefully they can continue to play well. We'll see. We shall see. So, well, good, man. Well, I enjoyed talking football with you and look forward to doing it again next week. Yeah, same here, Cal. Uh, thank you for coming on, and uh, let's do it again next week. Uh, enjoy your rest of the week, and I'll be pulling for the Saints. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Same, so go Colts, go Michigan, go Tigers, go Saints. All right, man. Absolutely. I'll see you next week. All right. All right, Cal. Bye-bye.